I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Today, we're talking with Chris Lee and Colleen O'Brien from Port Angeles, Washington. Together, they are the group Poetry Music. They've been playing together for, for decades, actually, under various names and with some additional musicians. But right now, as Poetry Music, they are dedicated to performing poetry that's been set to music, music composed to poetry, and they use poetry as a catalyst for free improvisation. I uh, was happy to discover them when they performed a concert at the Red Barn at Bennington College and immediately uh, said to myself, this is something for Poetry Spoken Here. So, Chris and Colleen, I'm really glad. Welcome to Poetry Spoken Here. Glad to be here, Charlie. Thanks. Well, as a simple startup, uh, do you have a very specific process for selecting poems to work with? Not specifically. Uh, really, it's it's poetry that, for various reasons, uh, strikes me as uh, something that I, I hear music to. So it could be the the, the phrasing, um, the rhythm in the phrasing, uh, the mood of the poem. But it's not. Um, there's not really a specific process. It really is just kind of randomly think poems come to you know randomly to me and and it's like oh yeah i I hear that you know i hear something in that and one thing it specifically um i've noticed that um uh that poems that are more uh so are less specific and are more uh have more imagery it's 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 easier to uh to do that with Do you both uh, compose the music, by the way? No, I don't compose the music, but I definitely help with the the arrangements and how we present the music. Right, we work on the arrangements together. So the the pieces that uh, we do, you know, some pieces that I, I, poems that I set to music, but we also do a lot of other people's poetry that have been set to music that that we really like and that works for us. It's fun for us to to hear what other people do with that process as well. Yeah, and then to see what you do with your own instrumentation. Right. There's there's gotta be lots of arrangements of these things and different available instrumentation, you know. Yeah, because actually, yeah, some of the pieces uh, that we do, uh, you know, the the original uh, pieces were, you know, a larger ensemble, you know, it could have been piano, bass, drums, horns, string quartet. <laughs> so we distill down the uh, arrangement to work for, for our... Oh. So we have as to a, find things that work that way as well. As a poet, it seemed, to me, it seems appropriate to have a like a, a spare ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's because you know I start with the poetry and then there's the music with the poetry and figuring out how they work together is... is uh, music can easily overwhelm poetry. Yes. Yes. A whole group hammering away. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like that can happen. So I think it's easier to, to work with the uh, music. Yeah. And like ultimately, the ultimately, it is about the voice singing these poems. And that helps a lot yeah. too. That helps a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe you can talk yeah. about how that is. Well, it, singing the poems is very different than singing a lyric, like a standard or a ballad or a song or. Um, because the, the the poems are so beautifully distilled, it's just a distillation of just the finest um, words, phrases, ideas, 
in a way that um, come together and also sound so beautiful. You know, so for me, my experience is that even how it feels in the mouth, these words are truly different and, and they just uh, flow better, have more motion for me. And maybe it's the choice of the poems with that music that allows this to be just a very refined uh, form of singing for me. I mean, in fact, it's one of my favorite I, I, discoveries in terms of singing, that singing these poems is one of my you know, most enjoyable experiences. It seems, it seems I mean, not doing it, it seems like it would be more difficult and more challenging than singing a song uh, because um, mistakes could be more obvious and you can rip <laughs> You can rip right past them when you're performing a song. Oh yeah, and, yeah. and the audience barely knows. But when right. it's this precise, uh, you can hear every sound, every syllable that you're putting out there. Absolutely, and and we actually very occasionally we are told by poets that uh, we missed or I missed a certain word or didn't use the correct word. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we become very, um, I mean, compared to jazz, like, you know, where you're just you could improvise. And I feel like in, in when we're doing other um, music in clubs or wherever, you know, I, I, I'll improvise words, I'll change words, or whatever. So it does happen sometimes, but oftentimes it's just like, uh, it hasn't been transferred to my music, <laughs> you know, in a correct, is yeah. the same as what's on the slide. So, Well, we're doing something new for the folks at home. We've got recordings of you that we're going to uh, be editing into this this podcast. So this, uh, this poem by uh, Li Po is, uh, is interesting. I, I have a lot of Chinese poetry around the house, so I actually... When I saw the title, I was thinking, could this be that poem? It's yeah. such a short poem. It really becomes a bigger thing mm -hmm. when you put the music around it because it's a very short, imagey poem. He's sitting on the bed, looks at the moonlight on the floor, looks up and thinks of home. I'm doing that for memory. I didn't go look it up. But I've read that poem many times in a bunch of different translations. And you mm -hmm. really um, have put a mood on that. That was one of one of the earlier poems that I, I set to music, um, and that one just immediately just jumped out at me. You know, I mean, I just read that and I just heard, you know, because it is, um, it's this, you know, very short distillation of this. I mean, he sets the mood in such a, um, in a, in just a few lines. Um, um, before my bed, there is bright moonlight. Um, I'm trying to remember the rest of it. So that it seems like frost on the ground. Right. Lifting yeah. my head, I watch the bright moon. Lowering my head, I dream that I'm home. So it's just, yeah. and I, it just evoked... You know, I mean, I think a lot of, you, you know, you can just relate to that, that image of seeing moonlight at night, just so bright on the end. But then at the very end, he brings in this thing that I, that I dream that I'm home. So it's obviously he's not home. He's somewhere else yeah. and thinks, is thinking about home. Um, so poems like that, for me, it's easier to uh, approach that just because it is kind of so simple and uh, and short. 
And you were inspired. I mean, truly, I think you were inspired by that. So it's like the process itself. It's like, oh, what happened? Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) I mean, you it's you were definitely I think that's one of the most beautiful pieces. Yes. It's such a combination of uh, this beautiful visual image. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Silvery moonlight, thinking of frost, and then mm-hmm. you got that big melancholy at the end. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that goes with a, a whole coherent mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A great choice for somebody to put to music. So that 
And what about um, the other one? Did you say you wanted to look at Black Magic? Second? Yeah, so Black Magic is a, a poem by a, a very good friend of ours, Paula Sergi. And um, we actually spent a year in Alaska many years ago in Homer, Alaska. And during that time, uh, Paula would send us poems. <laughs> and... Uh, Oh, quite a lot of poems. She would send us. Oh poetry. yeah, she's quite the poet. Really. Yeah. She lives in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin now, and um, okay. we were very good friends <laughs> from many years ago. We were both nurses, and she was my boss actually. <laughs> and uh, oh. but we had developed this relationship because you know she was very artistic. I mean, her poetry, she her writing is just beautiful, and. Um, so we had this correspondence and that's when she was starting to send all this poetry to us up in Alaska and Chris was looking through it. And mm -hmm. so how did you come up? Yeah. That so one? that one, um, again, it's just, you know, I, I read a lot of her, her, of the poems that she sent and just certain ones just kind of, you know, kind of jumped out at me. And that was, that was one. You did um, two, like three total of them. Yeah, I've done right? three or four actually. But so that one is a longer poem, and and there really are two distinct sections in the poem. So in the in the recording, you know, you hear the the first section that's been set to music, um, and then the whole kind of mood of the of the poem shifts, and and as you said, you know, it goes into this kind of soundscape. So. You know, in addition to the poetry, this is also, you know, a catalyst for, um, you know, for improvisation and being jazz musicians yeah. uh, on most of these pieces, you know, we, we improvise on them or we create mm -hmm. spaces where their improv improv improvisation can happen. Um, so as a, as a tying in from the first section into the, the second section, there's a... a soundscape as you will kind of a free improvisational section yeah. uh then going into the the last kind of the coda of the poem so yeah i, I love that one it suddenly did that thing in the middle yeah and then some strangeness came in yeah <laughs> that, that fits with black magic yes you know? yeah, yeah yeah so it's not just a random improvisation it's just it definitely is informed no. by the quality right um and the mood of the poem yeah. And that's an example too of the the poetry really setting up the, the structure of the composition. Mm -hmm. So it's not uh, your typical 
you know, song form. So that because it really is two sections and then uh, transitional section. So the the poetry really, as a composer, it makes it easier in a sense that the structure is already there. The poem, the structure mm -hmm. of the poem. And, and so as a composer, I'm really just kind of fleshing out what's already there, you know. So that's, uh, it's fun, fun to do as a, as a composer. Happy, you were a cowboy to my wish. 
This is reminding me also in the concert, Colleen, you were doing a, a, a number of different things with the cello, mm -hmm. uh, which again, I find that kind of thing really interesting because you're giving me some sounds I'm not used to hearing. I mean, you were, you were, you were plucking, I think you were strumming almost like you were playing chords, I think. That's what it reminded me of at the time. And sometimes mm -hmm. I didn't know what you were doing to, <laughs> to get the sounds. <laughs> what, 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 what kind of things do you do? Well, you know, they, it always surprises me all the things that I can do, but I don't intentionally set out to do all those different things. It comes to me as I'm playing, you know, over the years. Um, and then, you know, I just realized, oh, you know, hit, a, hit something, start strumming, um, or with improvisation, hitting the cello, like getting different sounds in different parts of the cello or on the strings or making, I love, you know, the, my bowing is, I love, the weird, you know, kind of sounds that can create moves, you know, on, with the um, the swing, um, with the bowing. Uh, so I, I can't tell you that there was a, a kind of a 
process that was like a usual learning process. It's more just through playing. Over that's real. That's serious improv there, right? Um, just yeah. what you're going to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. she's developed really a, a, an extensive palette of, of sounds. On I her. think so. Yeah. Well, thanks. And, and I think that comes because she's no. not a, uh, not a way. conventional cellist oh. or a, a classically trained. Yeah, cellist. I pretty much taught myself how to play. I mean, we I, originally when I started playing cello, I meant to play classical cello, and you know, took one term of bowing lessons with a classical um, cellist teacher. And uh, after that term, we ended up moving up to Alaska. And that's in this cabin, we formed this duo, realizing that we didn't have our quintet. You know, there wasn't people that, you know, we could play with at that point. So we thought, oh, okay. So um, I started using the cello as a jazz bass at that point. And from then on, it was, that was it. I mean, <laughs> we became a duo. And um, that was in 1985. Um, and right away we started playing and, and everything that's evolved since mm -hmm. then came out of that cabin um, mm -hmm. up in Alaska, Homer, Alaska. But then improving and being self-taught on, on the cello just seems perfect for accompanying poetry. Ah, the, yeah. kind, the kind of thing that you're doing. In fact, on your website, I forgot to read that little phrase. Uh, you said you've been playing eclectic chamber jazz. Yes. Yeah, we could never come up with words, but... Uh, I don't know. It, it's, I think it says the right thing to me. Uh, I, I believe it. And then if I heard you, I would think, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, Charlie, I can I ask you a question? Is it okay to interview you a little bit? <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> uh, sure. Well, I'm really curious. Get... I've always wanted to talk. We haven't really had a long conversation with a poet. Um, like, how how is it for you to hear poems sung? and played to set to music. For me, the ones I enjoyed the most in your concert were, th were the things where the uh, music is kind of, there's a way that music can supplement and kind of push the meaning of the poem. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. Now yeah. some of the Emily Dickinson ones where the lyric almost went with the music, the, yeah. I mean, the vocal went with the music. Now I, I didn't get too much out of that. And, and, and I'm not sure, um, or I always I always think of this when somebody does music with poetry. Is the music adding something to the poetry? Is the poetry becoming more powerful, more effective? Right. And that doesn't have to be the only goal. But mm -hmm. when I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, and there are some people who've who've done uh I think Robert Pinsky worked with some jazz people. And uh, Native American poet Joy Harjo, she uh, with a uh at least a percussionist, she plays saxophone mm. and she also has those kind of those kind of jingle bell things that you that cover up your whole calf. Oh yeah. So you can just make little movements, oh, right, right. and you and you've got uh, yeah. this little movements. You've got this great percussion going. There's a chuk, 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 you know. Right. Uh, and hers worked extremely well. So my my biggest thing is, am I losing the poem? Yes. Mm -hmm. the issue that yeah. always comes to my mm -hmm. mind, you know. But uh -huh. I don't know. That's yeah. one poet's viewpoint. <laughs> when yeah, I've worked no, with people uh, who play. Usually it's more often a saxophone, and that can work well. Uh, if and both actually two different guys, and they're both fellow poets, so they're completely compatible with not, not wanting to get out there and override the poem. Mm -hmm. uh, we played with, with a guy who had electric bass, and he just didn't couldn't understand that he was supposed to stay behind and support the poem. Yes, yeah. at least the way we were doing it. Yeah, we were doing it. It's a poetry reading, and the music 
amplifies the mood of the poem, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Ideally, it does. Yeah. Right? Reinforces yeah. it, something like that. I don't know if my views are common or uncommon on that. Oops. No, we appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it's really been fun um, exploring just all the different ways people do approach this. I mean, from all different yeah. genres and, you know, from the classical art song, <laughs> you know, you know, with sopranos singing these, you know, <laughs> all that, yeah, right. you know, to jazz or to just free improvisation, to folk, to, so yeah, it's really, it's really. Uh, that's an, a neat thing you do in your performance is having the, uh, having the lyrics up on the wall behind yeah. you, mm -hmm. along with the visuals, because yeah. then you're definitely, definitely not missing the poem, no matter what happens. Right. It can get complicated. Uh, so, yeah, uh, in fact, yeah, right. Related to, related to this is the is the other poem you sent me the uh, by Gary Snyder Wave, and as I mentioned to you, I'm I'm a big Snyder fan. Just, just about everybody is, I think. And uh, this is actually interestingly one of his less kind of straightforward poems. Mm -hmm. When I look at the lines and the kind of things he's saying, he's much more often much more straightforward uh, narrative kind of thing. And you did some, uh, you open with. Well, not open. You, you did, did a percussion, and I even wonder something I I like the possibility of with poetry is you can change the tempo if you feel like it. Yes. Yeah. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if if I wasn't sure. I didn't go back and study it, you know. But it flashed through my mind at times. See, did this speed up or do something uh, as one more one more variable you have to work with as musicians? Yes, uh, and and we do. Um, I mean, it's different every time. So that one. It's, it's, you know, I mean, we kind of have a structure that we've kind of, a loose structure, a loose structure. but it, it can be different. So whatever, I usually start up and just set up, set up a groove. And, and sometimes I have no idea which groove he's going to use. <laughs> sometimes it's like, whoa, how am I going to sing over that? And uh, so it's, yeah, so it's, it's fun. It's always different. Yeah. And then, yeah, and I might change, I might change tempo in the tune. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I usually, at the very end of the piece, speed it up because there's a line in it about racing zebras. <laughs> and so right. that inspires, you know, <laughs> pick up the moving. Yeah, pick up the tempo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I think that's it's another, it's another, well, you have all the tools to work with, and that's that's one more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That you can just change the tempo if you feel like it, which you right. do very readily in most songs.
stripped through marble. Sweeping down ponderosa pine box scale, rip cut.
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do a lot. Do you do a lot of touring, and you had a lot of gigs on that cross country tour. We've been doing this for about two and a half years. Yes, almost. two and a yeah. half years. years. And we've done yeah over 150 or more libraries from the East Coast to Arizona to Alaska. What's so fun about that is you know meeting. Well, librarians are great to work with. Number one, and, and it yeah. sure makes a better experience, kind of um, relating to librarian versus other kinds of gigs. You have to work really hard at getting. <laughs> librarians are great. They're so they're so. Um, such good people and so interested and so curious. And then to go in <clears throat> to communities through their libraries is another thing yeah. that for me has been just so joyful because you get a, a pulse and a feel for communities uh, and the librarians are so tapped into what's going on in their communities and they, they are offering so much more at, at, in this time. You know, they, yeah. you know, from even social, like actually, providing social workers in some areas where there's, you know, real problems um, well, with homelessness and joblessness and, um, and mental health issues. The other, other rewarding thing about it is, is uh, for many people, you, you'll be a new thing. You are a new thing for them. They haven't heard somebody do this kind yeah. of a thing with poetry. Right. And so right there's a little bit of curiosity and wonder and, uh, <laughs> it's appreciation it's, really it's really been amazing just the response from people all all over the i mean really you know from rural alaska to las vegas or wherever you know phoenix arizona so, you know the just the response but really and like you said i mean the the combination of the words and the music and the visuals of seeing the poem it's really reaching people you know, it's kind of getting them in, on a lot of different levels. And so, there's something and about that that really seems to, uh, you know, people really connect with. And not only just uh, the range in age from children to, you know, elders, I mean, all the way through and cross-cultural, actually, mm -hmm. too. Yeah. It's an, and the other thing that's so wonderful about playing in, in libraries and people not knowing what we do, I love that because <clears throat> they have no preconceived ideas. Um, people aren't mm -hmm. coming out because whatever, you know, they're, well, they just don't know. And they're taking a risk, you know, just coming and sitting risk because yeah. they're not going to die at least. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But can't kill anybody. Yeah. They come, they're curious, no expectation. And that, that it connects with people with them not having an expectation or not knowing who we are at all creates a it's a positive kind of dynamic i mean like you said they're, they're at least they're curious yeah they're, they're not coming that they're guaranteed they're going to love it they're yeah. curious <laughs> anyway yeah yeah like, so okay it's been really wonderful and we've been talking here with chris lee and colleen o'brien together they make up the group poetry music hey and thanks um, charlie yeah. yeah thanks for having us You're listening to Poetry Spoken Here. We've been visiting with Chris Lee and Colleen O'Brien, and recordings of their work are available at poetrymusic.org. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about some ideas you can use to help celebrate Poetry Month. Of course, you could do these things at any time, but why not let Poetry Month be an excuse to get a little more into poetry being in your daily life and in the life of others? 
How about making a personal anthology of your favorite poems? Find them, copy them, staple them together, and have them in one place. Or you could even handwrite them out. I've heard some poets do that just to get the rhythm and the feel of what's lurking inside the poems that they love. You could look up readings in your area if you haven't done this yet, and you could go attend one at a college or university or a coffee shop or bar. You could find an open mic. If you went, you could read a poem. If not, well, you could be the audience and all the poets will appreciate that you're there. Or how about memorizing a poem? We all have poems we like and we sort of recall good lines from them, but why not just memorize a poem and have it in your head? Now, here's one with a little forward thinking. Mother's Day's in May. Why not make a Mother's Day card that features a line of poetry? I got that idea from Poets.org, the official website of the American Academy of Poets. That's the organization that actually spearheaded National Poetry Month. And so their website has a lot of good information and resources. Also, April 27 is National Poem in Your Pocket Day. Mark that on your calendar, April 27. And the idea of that is you find a poem you like and you carry it around all day and you impose it on people you meet during the day. You get them to hear your poem that you like so much and tell them maybe tell them why you like it. And uh, maybe they'll be interested. Maybe they haven't heard a poem in years and you're doing them a real favor. And also... Uh, how could I forget? Of course, you could always binge listen to the past episodes of Poetry Spoken Here. We've been at this for almost two years. There are quite a few episodes. In addition to hearing the varied voices from around the country and the world, uh, there are also the short features about such institutions as the book thing in Baltimore or the Poetry Performance Poetry Preservation Project. Really worthwhile things, I think, to know about and to be able to go back to. Teachers, you can go to Poets.org and sign up for Teach This Poem, a weekly series just for you. So, just a few ideas of things you might do to get involved with Poetry Month, to put more poetry in your life, to put more poetry out there in our society in general. And that's a good thing. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this has been Poetry Spoken Here. Join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. Yeah.